What's good, everybody? I'm John Zastrzemski, host of New York, New York with JJ, the first podcast on The Ringer and Spotify dedicated to you, the New York sports fan. We've got episode three nights a week, plus bonus episodes whenever news breaks. So make sure you follow the show on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. Your latest reminder, fantasyfootball.thringer.com. We have hundreds, maybe thousands, just hundreds, of player profiles there, upsides, downsides. Please check it out at fantasyfootball.thringer.com. We will have a big update coming soon. Today, we're going to explain the running back dead zone, mm. which honestly, I'm jealous that we didn't come up with that name. I'm <laughs> great name. really upset. Yeah. It's a great name. We're going we're gonna to discuss the running back dead zone, which is the fancy term for when should you not draft running backs. But first, a lot of news. People are hurt. Training camp. Reports everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. This is the time when we start to really adjust rankings, not because of skill, but because of health. Yeah, it's just like we go through six months of like, oh, this guy signed here. And it's like, oh, he hasn't practiced in three weeks. <laughs> you know what I learned today? Amari Cooper hasn't ran a route since December. That's a, Yeah, I was going to say, this is such a stark reminder that injuries happen in football. It's like you you go in thinking your teams are going to do, do so well based on how you build them. And then it's just hard. It's like at this time of year, you just start to remember, man, guys get hurt. Like they lose the, whole, the entire season. They lose half the season. It's so depressing. It sucks for them. It sucks for, um, you know, obviously the fans of the teams. Uh, injuries are the worst, but they're a part of the game. And, and so obviously we got to cover that stuff. So we're going to get into injury news for a second, but just to put this in context, DK, as you're sifting through all these reports, sometimes it's like hamstring injury, guys being held out for a day or two. Travis Kelsey, back spasms, just out for a day or two. And then sometimes things are really concerning. How do you try to sort just the apps? I mean, it's all fire hose of information you're trying to drink from. <laughs> right. How do you sort the news and injuries that like actually affect rankings for you versus the things that you're like, yeah, that's probably fine. Well, I think it's, you know, again, it's try not to overreact to things that happen like on the actual day of the injury, like, you know, the Justin Jefferson thing, which we'll get into for a minute there, it looked like it could have been like a season ending collarbone injury. It just turned out to be something that's like day to day or whatever. So that's good. But like a steady drumbeat of information that's coming in that this guy's not, you know, responding well to treatment or whatever. That's where you start to worry. Um, you know, we're, we are still over a month away from the season. So that gives guys the ability to kind of rest up and get going. But even now in in practices, like when you're missing practice and unable to play, unable to get those reps, that could potentially have, you know, an effect on their season that could affect the chemistry they have with the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I don't, I try not to overact basically, but um, as we start to get closer to the season, we're going to have to actually start making moves and, and trying to like determine what really matters. What type of injury scares you guys the most? Obviously, I'm not talking about the serious stuff. Like, what camp injuries are you like, that one's like, is it a groin? Yeah. You're talking hamstring, foot. What is the thing, AC joint, MCL sprain? What is the thing that you're like, that's going to linger? I think you said it. You said them. Groin, hamstring, and foot. Hamstring and groin for speed. <laughs> like, the Marquise <laughs> yeah. Brown is a good example. Marquise Brown's game is speed, and now he's got a hamstring injury that the Ravens said is worse than they initially thought. Yeah. No timetable to return. I mean, Terrible. what are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> Groin, I feel like groin. Anytime somebody has a groin injury, you're like, this is going to last 10 weeks. Yeah. The other thing, I, I I stole this from Greg Rosenthal, who's uh, at NFL Network. He's a really good uh, 
good analyst, and he is a thing where it's like some like if a player comes back from the season with the previous injury and they're missing time because they're rehabbing it, that's fine. When new injuries start popping up for guys that were hurt before, that's a huge red flag. Like like compensation injuries. Yes. Like yeah. a new thing is popping up, that's a problem. So we can just go into it. Dak Prescott. I'm concerned. Mm. So obviously Dak had his ankle injury last year. He is still missing practice. M- mul- like multiple days in a row, they're holding him out. He has a lat strain, which is, I mean, it's like the muscle from like your hip to your back. It's a baseball injury. The Cowboys yeah, called the Texas Rangers <laughs> for advice on what they do with their pitchers and what they should do with Dak Prescott. And apparently the Rangers told him, just shut Dak down, stop him from throwing, just make sure the injury fully heals and it'll come back. And look, the Cowboys are insisting it's nothing. I also think Jimmy Johnson was inducted to the Hall of Fame, so a lot of media attention actually wasn't on Dak missing practice because all the Cowboys reporters are doing other things. But Troy Aikman actually said this week about Dak's shoulder injury. I'm quoting Troy Aikman now. The Cowboys are downplaying it, but I think when your franchise quarterback is missing the amount of time he's missing, I tend to think it's probably a little bit more significant than what they have let on, end quote. That's Troy Aikman. DK, does this concern (laughs) you? And if so, are you moving down Dak Prescott in your rankings? Uh, Yeah, it's a little concerning. and. I, w- I would say I'm like <laughs> moving him down a lot, maybe like a spot or two just because of the uncertainty around it. But yeah, like the fact that it's a baseball injury and they told him just shut him down. That that's like a little bit alarm bells for me. Um, also, the Texas Rangers suck. So we don't really <laughs> they're know the worst team in baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like it, it's interesting because Dak immediately was like, oh, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. I'm not going to miss time. I'm playing like he was 100 percent confident. Um, but you know, that's players do that all the time. Players always say they're going to like be fine. And then, you know, they end up missing half the season or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's worrisome. I'm not that worried yet. Okay. It's, it's August 9th when we're recording. The season doesn't start for, I know they have the first game of the season, right? They play the box, but they're not playing for essentially, I think a month still. Uh, Jay Glazer reported that the, the it's like the injury is almost in his armpit. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's like inside your armpit, but like that, I don't know why, but I'm not scared just yet there's a long time to go here for Dak I mean uh, if he shuts down for two weeks it's not like I'm worried he's not going to learn the scheme you know the offense is kind of one of those things where I feel like once it's all together like it's going to hum it's going to hit the ground running this isn't a rookie Uh, Amari's not a rookie CeeDee Lamb's like everything is kind of Zeke the the offensive staff everything is kind of like already set so if he misses a couple weeks because of a sore shoulder I'm okay with it so for our rankings Heifetz like maybe move him down a few spots overall but like, is this injury enough? Because right now we've got him. He's not changing positionally. Yeah, I think there's a solid tear drop from him to like the Justin Herbert, Russell Wilsons of the world. And I don't think I'm ready to put him below either of those guys yet. You know, based on what we know, um, maybe maybe like I feel compelled to move him down a few spots in our overall rankings. But really, that's just sort of that doesn't really matter. Um, I think right now, just wait it out, see how it all goes. Um, but his upside is still so tantalizing that, you know, I'm not re- quite ready to like back off of it yet. You think it's just a promo for hard knocks to get us to watch? <laughs> yeah. That starts tomorrow. So I think, yeah, to your point, DK, about not overreacting, it's just one of those you got to check back in a week. Yeah. And that's, yeah. It's at this time of year, you just need to see what's a day story versus kind of a week or two week story. Well, on the Cowboys, I just want to elaborate on the Mari Cooper thing. He had two separate ankle injuries last year. This and they one's did a little surgery on the one. More worrisome. And then. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they found the other ankle injury. And he was like, yeah, he didn't even know that the other ankle injury was there until he fixed the other one. And he's also vitamin D deficient. I mean, a lot of people are, but he's vitamin D deficient. So like everything's been healing slower. Just not what you want to hear from a guy. I mean, he's I, he he's not practicing. Again, he has not ran a route since December. I was really into Amari Cooper coming into the year. I think I'm now officially willing to put CeeDee Lamb ahead of Amari Cooper. And I probably by a lot. Yeah. And then... If he doesn't play at least early in the season, like this is huge for Gallup, a guy like Gallup, who I think you probably can move up a little bit in the rankings. His upside just looks so much better now, too, if, if Cooper can't play or if he's limited. Um, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, like when Cooper's been, because he's been banged up kind of a lot in his career, I guess, like on mm-hmm. the injury report a lot. And maybe that's contributed to him being someone who is a little less consistent week in and week out. Um, can you guys remember off the top of your head like how he plays when he's banged up? Like, is it like a huge, huge, you know, red flag if he's playing a little bit, maybe not like a hundred percent? I think he's one of those guys that has been banged up a lot more than people realize. Like right. he, he plantar fasciitis last He like year. plays like, through that's it. Incredibly he just plays painful. Through it. Yeah. And so I think that he's one of the more talented receivers that like doesn't have quite 
Like he, he only gets like what a quarter of Dallas's targets, which for upper echelon receivers isn't relatively a lot. Uh, but I think part of that's he just plays hurt all the time. And you honestly look, it sucks when a, a player in your fantasy team just has that cue next to them every week, and you have, don't know if they're going to play. Yeah, it's just kind of stressful. Yeah, it just that's life. That's life when you draft Amari Cooper, though. I think that's kind of the thing. <laughs> I, I, so I'm curious where you think. So if if Cooper were to miss much time, I'm curious what you think about Ceedee Lamb versus Justin Jefferson, who again, as you mentioned, had kind of a scary fall. It ended up just being a sprained AC joint, mm-hmm. so he's expected to miss some practice, and then he'll be fine for week one. We'll we'll see. It's definitely another thing you want to check on, like when he returns to practice. Having said that, are you concerned at all about Justin Jefferson? And do you still? I mean, we haven't really talked about him a lot. He's kind of been a Glansburg. Like, Deke, how right. do you feel about Justin Jefferson for this season? I'm still very bullish on him. I think the one thing that's a little tiny bit worrisome about that injury is there is some instances where they re-injure it. If they if he falls on his shoulder again, there's a chance it could pop back out of place. I think it makes it a little more likely that you're going to re-injure it um, if you since you've already injured it. And, and he's the type of guy who. You know, so good in contested catch situations, go up and get it type thing. That is just slightly worrisome. But overall, it doesn't really move. I wouldn't move him on the rankings. I think he's going to be fine. Um, It's just something to like have in the back of your mind. It could happen down the line. But you just really never know. It's hard to predict injuries. And and that just, it's not really going to be a part of my, you know, draft process. I still really high on him. I think actually he's, you know, I don't, I guess you could call him already the number one. Like last year, him and Thielen were like a dual threat thing in the, in the Vikings offense where Thielen was getting all the touchdowns and and Jefferson was getting like way more yards and all that stuff. Um, this year, we could see him get more touchdowns and that could really put him like through the roof. So I'm just still really bullish on Jefferson. I think, you know, he's he can do all the things that Thielen can do in the red zone. And if they start using both of those guys more in that area, then I, I just it's wheels up for him. If Amari Cooper were to miss some time, even though, you know, he claims to be close to 100%, but again, like you said, Hyfe, it's like double ankle injuries is not great, and his history is not great. If Amari Cooper were to miss some time, would you guys, let's say he's going to miss the first three weeks of the season, for those three games, would you rank C.D. Lamb higher than Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm getting to the point now where, you know how every year there's always a tier that you, there's like a tier three that you like more than tier two. There's always <laughs> right. a tier below that you like better than the tier above. I think the tier three of my wide receivers, I'm starting to like more than tier two. The tier two is like AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf. And now like, I think I'm getting more excited about like CD Lamb, Terry McLaurin, uh, um, like the Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson range. Like I'm almost at the point now where I'm like, I might just put CD Lamb right next to Justin Jefferson yeah. and put him in his own tier. You know what I mean? Well, I think, you know, we talked about this on a show last week. We should just flip. I think at this next ranking thing, we're going to we're gonna flip CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. And we have Justin Jefferson as our receiver nine and Amari Cooper as our wide receiver 10. And I think going into this, put CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver 10 and just call it good. And it's like Jeff- Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb right there. And if you have CeeDee Lamb over Jefferson in your mind, I'm like, that's fine. Because he's just been dominating so hard at camp. He's in a high octane, higher volume offense. In theory, assuming yeah. Dak is ready to go, and um, he could just make this massive leap. Where Jefferson, you know, he still could make a second year leap and just be freaking Randy Moss or something like that. But like, it almost feels more likely that, um, or I guess it's going to be more difficult for him to match what he did as a rookie. I guess, and, and CD Lamb has this potential to just go out of the stratosphere. So yeah. You know, because I, I don't want to say that we're getting CD Lamb at a discount because Dak got hurt last year because we're not. He's essentially getting drafted as like the 12th, 13th, 14th wide receiver off the board. Yeah. But at the top, you have to nitpick. And I can't help. I think I said this before. Like, if Dak never got hurt, even if they didn't continue on that toward pace and they slowed down a bit and just had one of the top five best passing offenses in the league instead of the first, where would CD Lamb be ranked right now? I can't help but think yeah. that he would be right next to Justin Jefferson. So. My thinking is, is are we getting CD Lamb at a slight discount this year? I think so. Yeah. I think I think there's people that still believe Amari Cooper is the number one in that offense. And there's still people, you know, that's definitely not the case with Jeff, Justin Jefferson anymore. You know, Thielen is way down the list compared to uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, so I think that's holding Lamb back. And I guess maybe just his limited role in the offense. Like he was only the slot guy last year for the most part. Now they're going to be moving him around, doing a whole bunch of different things. Um, so... I think people are still a little bit, it's more like just like show me first, I think for a lot of people, rather than like buying into yeah. this hype that he's going to be this ne- the next big superstar receiver in the NFL, which I actually think he's going to be. Um, so I'm buying it. I'm I'm all in on CeeDee Lamb. I'm like super excited to see what he does this year. 
I can't wait to get to the when we do the Stephen Glansberg episode of the players nobody's talking about. Adam Thielen's going to lead that damn list <laughs> for sure, dude. The guy had 14 touchdowns last year, over 100 targets. No he's one cares. Good every year, he's a starter. <laughs> no one gives a shit about him. I guarantee he'll, he'll have 10 touchdowns this year, guaranteed. <laughs> We actually get an email from someone asking about players who changed their diets because, like, Chris Paul and Tom Brady changed their diets and then, like, went to the finals and asking about guys over 30 who are vegan. I think Adam Thielen, like, leads the list. Is he? Mm. Oh, wow. I believe so. I have a question. I have a question going really quickly back to Jefferson. Is there, should we have Jefferson over Keenan Allen and and CeeDee Lamb over Keenan Allen? All right, let's just. I was actually thinking in the back of my head while you were talking, we should do a whole episode on this later, but like, let's just talk about this now. We haven't talked about Jefferson, AJ Brown in that group right now. I think it's actually a pretty hard group to rank Yeah, because the top five receivers for us and basically everywhere in some order is that we have Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley. Yep. That's for the most part, how everyone has their top five. After that, you've got AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson in like some order. And you could convince me to move those guys like who the sixth. You could give me a very wide range of who like the sixth best receiver in fantasy is this year. And I think that AJ Brown was everyone's like favorite guy to be like maybe the number one overall guy in fantasy this year. Then they traded for Julio Jones. So no one knows what to do with that. DK Metcalf. It's also kind of like the Seahawks are just a weird situation this year. Keenan Allen, it's like, well, what about the Chargers? Who else do they have? We just talked about Justin Jefferson. Of that group, who do you guys like the most? If A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Keenan Allen, and Justin Jefferson, if you had to pick one of them, and then the next time you're picking, they're going to be gone, who do you want? See, this is where the this is where rankings become like, you have to really test your, you know, your conviction on guys and be like, put yourself in those situations and see if you actually believe where you have the rankings. I kind of feel like I just want Jefferson, honestly, in, the, in that group. Um, I think there's enough question marks around Keenan Allen. Like last year, he had he averaged 9.9 uh, yards per reception, which is a career low for him. And so that's like a little bit worrisome. I think he, I'm not worried about the volume for him. Like the volume is going to be there, but I guess just the upside, like this theoretical upside, is is kind of what you're what you're looking for. And he's never been like a a double digit touchdown guy. His career high last year was, and he matched his rookie year, which was eight touchdowns. Um, he's never gone double digits. So. Does that mean he's not going to do it this year? Like, who knows? But it's it's floor versus ceiling. Just, Justin Jefferson could catch, you know, he could have 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns this year, and it wouldn't surprise me. And he'd be like the overall <laughs> wide receiver one or something. So I don't know. It's like, I guess it just depends on on your, your mindset, like whether you're chasing upside or you're going with sort of like what you know is going to be there, the floor, like that volume that, that Keenan Allen's going to get. You're going to get the jump from Justin Herbert if you believe in that. I don't know. It's very tough. But like now when I'm just looking at that list, I just kind of want Justin Jefferson. I think I'm picking DK Metcalf and then maybe Justin Jefferson second. Heifetz, who's your pick? Because I want to talk about this after you give your pick. I'm also leaning Metcalf. And if you put a like a gun to my head, you're like AJ Brown, Metcalf, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson. I'm leaning Metcalf, to be honest with you, in part because they're all in the same tier for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in a tiebreaker, you're like, this is probably not a very scientific way to do this. But Who's you know more fun? DK Metcalf is way more cool. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, it, they're so similar in the profiles and like the high end range, the low end. Like, at some point, it's like DK Metcalf's just a really fun player to have on your team. If you get him in the third round, holy crap. Like, that's just kind of more fun. I don't know if that's a cop out answer, but it just feels correct. I think it's also DK Metcalf's quarterback is Russell Wilson. AJ Brown's yeah. with Ryan Tannehill, whose yep. reputation is still not catching up with like his actual skill. And then obviously Jefferson's quarterback is freaking Kirk Cousins, who, you know, there's this whole thing there. So I don't know. It, it, that is, I think, also a big part of it. It's like the offense. Well, so I think to. the Vikings threw a lot last year because it was the worst defense Mike Zimmer's ever had. He's been an NFL coach for like 30 or 40 years, basically the worst defense he's ever had. The Vikings defense will be better this year. I just think they won't have to throw as often. Mm -hmm. The Titans are just this mystery to me because I just don't think any of us really know how this offense is going to perform, how Tannehill's going to perform once um, Arthur Smith left to be the Falcons head coach. And the other thing looming for the Titans is that they're basically the best red zone stretch ever. Like they converted oh, yeah. se- 75% of the red zone trips became touchdowns the last two seasons. Never been done before. When the coordinator leaves, like play calling in the red zone matters. 
the coordinator leaving that you can't just sustain all-time red zone efficiency and aj brown's whole career is based off red zone efficiency so if someone's going to fall off from this group even though i think everyone loves aj brown as a talent i think aj brown would be the least surprising to me even though that kind of blows i don't know if that's contrary he's, he's i would say he's probably the i it would say likely he's going to get the least amount of targets yeah, listen, Matthew Barry's draft day manifesto like, came out recently, and one of his things was like he compared Tyler Lockett to DK Metcalf and was talking about how they essentially finished the same. One was the wide receiver eight, one was the wide receiver nine. He's like, but the difference was DK Metcalf was extremely consistent and was essentially getting you 15 to 18 points every single game, and Tyler Lockett was like 35 or four. And he was right. like, you want the guy who's getting you 18 every game, and that's not A.J. Brown. And I think that's why I'm kind of... I think we all love him so much that the Julio trade happened and yep. analysts were still just like, um, no, we're just still going to kind of keep him there because we love him so much, but we're not actually <laughs> understanding what could happen to our, because of Arthur Smith being gone and Julio Jones in town. You know, AJ Brown had five games last year of his 14 under 50 yards. And now Julio Jones is on the team. Like, I think that if anyone is going to fall off, I mean, AJ Brown needs to keep that insane touchdown upside that he's had his first two years to stick in this tier two. And he's the one I'm the most worried about. So I think it's it's Metcalf and Jefferson and Allen, I think. Speaking of Glansbergs, you said that the number one Glansberg this season is Adam Thielen. I think you're wrong. The number one Glansberg, the guy no one's <laughs> talking about this season, is Keenan Allen. Yeah. Because, well, I, I've been talking about Keenan, but yeah. I'm just saying we're projecting <laughs> Herbert to be first so name good. Basis. I mean, it's, so many people have Herbert as a top six, seven quarterback. Despite that, Keenan Allen, like, serious question. We're, other than Mike Williams, can you name the third charge receiver on the depth chart? Josh Palmer. I think Palmer. I've already asked this twice. I mean, it's awesome. probably going to be Josh Palmer, but that's, that is what your point is. We don't really know for yeah. sure who it's going to be. It's, 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 I mean, the, the, these are nobodies. These are dart throws, like NFL team dart throws at receiver. Right. Jared Cook at tight end, who we, honestly we should probably move up, but Keenan Allen to me, has again has this label of being injury prone from early in his career. He's been as durable as anyone the last few years. Yep. Yeah. It's I feel like it's a relatively boring team. And that if Keenan Allen had better PR, like DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, like I don't think that he'd be disrespected as outside the top eight. Because it's it's yeah. hard to poke any holes in him other than oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about him. He's just 29 and he's on the Chargers, but he's like yeah. an amazing route runner. And he's uh, my my risk, my bold prediction. For this year, one of them is that he's going to lead the league in catches, and he could be Michael Thomas of twenty twenty of twenty nineteen. You know, they have the the Ram, they have the Saints offensive coordinator now, and Joe Lombardi. He was the quarterbacks coach for the Saints, but now he's the OC for the Chargers. And like you said, there's nobody else. Herbert year two leap. I mean, Allen's going to be the guy that is probably leading the league in targets. It's maybe him, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams are going to be vying for the lead to league in targets. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Let's keep rolling news here. Saquon was activated from the physically unable to perform list. He's practicing with the team. Today is Monday. He's practicing with the team. Now, despite that, nothing's really changed with the timeline here. Like, the Giants are hoping he can play in week one, but they don't know. And they're being both very and not transparent about that. And then this is from the New York Post. Quote, the Giants will not rush their star running back back in any way, shape, or form acclimating him into individual drills until he shows he can handle more of a workload. The goal is to make sure Barkley, 24 years old, does not experience any setbacks and that his progress, unhurried, remains steady. End quote. Good luck with whatever that means. DK, <laughs> would you draft Saquon in the first round? I would, yes. So I here's, here's a good way, I think, of looking at the Saquon thing is whenever you're drafting a, a running back like of his caliber, any of these top-tier running backs, do you automatically assume that all these guys are going to play 16, 17 games? 
Or do you sort of bake into your mind like, oh, he'll probably like, I'm guessing since it's so hard, like he'll miss one game, two game here. Oh, I'm baking. Yeah. I'm absolutely baking. I feel, I feel yeah. like if you're working in reality, you have to assume like some of these guys are going to miss a game <laughs> or two in this in the season. With Barkley, it's more of it's it feels like more of a given than like an assumption, I guess, if that make, if there's a distinction there. Um, but I mean, yeah, like guys are going to miss a game or two here or there. I think you have to assume for any of these top running backs and you have to be able to kind of like get through that and, and make it through your season anyway. I think the Barkley thing is like his upside and his talent. And I think what his role is going to be in the offense is so good. It's so high. Like the, the ceiling is so high. It's still worth taking him in the first round, even if he is going to miss a game or two at the beginning of the year. I think maybe re- in reality, you drop him down below like Aaron Jones. Um, you know, depending on how you feel about like a guy like Austin Eckler, I wouldn't be like totally upset if you picked him, picked, picked him after that. But I still think he's like a first round top 12 guy. You know, he's not, he's not maybe the top five guy that we thought he was a month ago. Um, but yes, I do think he's still a first round pick. I want to just run through the names here. So we've got Christian McCaffrey first, Dalvin Cook, there's Derek Henry, there's Zeke Elliott. Would you take, and then you just said Aaron Jones. Would you take Saquon or Alvin Kamara? Kamara. Especially now with Michael Thomas missing time at the beginning of the season. I would too. Would you take Saquon or Austin Eckler? Uh, Saquon, right I next think. to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think Saquon is literally right before Austin Eckler in my new rankings. I would take Eckler. I just, I just health is really important to me. Like, I, I get what you're saying about expecting to miss a game or two, but yeah. if we have this information ahead of time, it's not that Saquon won't be. Oh, I'm a Giants fan. Like, I want Saquon to be <laughs> extremely healthy and incredible and rush for 3,000 yards and make me look really stupid. I'm just thinking, you just, I just, the only thing you don't want is to whiff on that first or second round pick. And if you've got, I just, I'm, not, I'm just straight up not convinced that Saquon will be so much better than the, the second round running backs that it's worth the risk of him potentially aggravating this injury or not having the workload we think. I would take Eckler over him. I would take Najee Harris over Saquon. I have Saquon wow. falling right around Antonio Gibson for me. I yeah. think that Gibson is right around when I start thinking about like the upside play. I but, think like, yeah. I just, you're doing like the like we did on the last show, the the name brand off brand. Like this is sort of not quite the same as some of the stuff we were talking about last year but, or last week. But like I, Mixon or Harris are really sort of like the off brand version of Saquon. Like not quite yeah, as it, not quite as established, not quite as famous or highly respected or whatever. But you might be able to get the same type of production from them around later and and just like feel good about it. I just think that Saquon like is so famous that it's conf- it's like just messing up people's brains. Like he, so his rookie year when he was like the number two back, he led the y- league in yards per scrimmage. He got three hundred and fifty two touches. Like at the end of the day, yeah. him being really fast and really athletic and having huge quads isn't actually what gets you fantasy points. With running, like fan- maybe we should change the scoring. But the reality is, it's volume, it's touches. It, yeah. other, unless you're Alvin Kamara and you score a touchdown per game for the first four seasons of your career, what actually matters is how often you're you're playing and how often you're getting the ball. And Saquon, he was basically more than eight out of ten times he was on the field, almost nine. I just feel like that's not going to happen this year. If you want someone's going to be on the field nine out of ten times, draft Najee Harris. Or yeah, and him. what sucks is like I think the Giants are actually handling this properly. Which yes. sucks for fantasy. <laughs> they're responsible. They're being responsible stewards yeah, of a man's responsible career. Responsible parent. So, hi Fitz, you brought up Najee Harris. By the way, uh, Hall of Fame game was on Thursday. What did you guys think of Harris in that game? How do how do you think he looked? Craig, you are a Steelers fan, so I'll give you the first go at this. I'm, I was unfortunately working. I didn't watch live. I saw a couple highlights of him running. I thought he looked like a like a professional running back. Yeah. I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked good. Yeah, like, I don't think, I mean, you know, whatever. He had like six carries. Like, I thought he looked good, you know, whatever. I will say, I mean, look, it's preseason, like, not even preseason week one. It's the Hall of Fame game. It's basically an it's the an exhibition that precedes the actual exhibition game. So, it was like, <laughs> you know, he played, I think he played 12 snaps or something like that. He didn't come off the field, I believe, for every snap. The first 18 snaps he was on the field. He yeah. played more yeah. than I thought he was going to play, to yeah. be honest. Like, I didn't even, look. Yeah. Every single thing that Mike Tomlin has said about Najee Harris has suggested he just keeps like like someone asked him if he's look like a number one back to you. He just laughed and said, "Oh, he's a one." Yeah. Uh, it just every every indication has just suggested that Najee Harris is going to be the three down workhorse for this, like an old school three down back, yeah. which is so rare, and it's exactly what you want. I, I thought just, the I, I thought that the offense was a little bit 
it looked like the offensive line looked a little better than I thought it would. I'm kind of intrigued by the Matt Canada offense. They were using a lot of motion, which I mm. think personally is just only going to help the running back. You know, like in the past, the Steelers haven't been very motion heavy. They've been like very vanilla in terms of what they're doing. Like, you know, Big Ben doesn't want to play, do play action, anything like that. So I think having more motion and having it be like a big part of their identity on offense is going to help that run game and they need all the help they can get based on, you know, like the fact that they're changing out a lot of their offensive line this year. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty there that just creates some, you know, just a moment of hesitation with the defender who's like worried about the sweep or worried about, you know, this guy moving that way or whatever. That's only going to be good for the running back. So um, all things considered, I thought it was pretty positive for, for Najee Harris in that game. All right. Other injury news, Hunter Henry, the Titan for the Patriots injured his shoulder, got an MRI uh, it seemed to be just a painful injury, and he'll miss some preseason time, but probably going to be back for week one. So the Patriots obviously just dropped the bag and gave Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry a lot of money this free agency, and we were like, we have no idea what to do with these guys. How are they going to use them? Right. Now that Hunter Henry is hurt, is this enough for you, DK, to like bump up Jonu Smith and be interested in him, or do you just feel like this is still just a total crapshoot with the Patriots? Um, I mean, I already have... Jonu Smith a little bit higher than Henry just based on I guess like his athletic profile the fact that he might be running a few more routes I don't know like it's so hard to predict what they're going to do with these guys because I think both which is of, the point to be clear they they like <laughs> it's just tough because both of them are good blockers both of them are athletic Hunter Henry has a really strong history of being like really effective in the red zone so like there's this idea he could have like far more touchdowns or something like that it's just very difficult to to figure out like who to put higher on this. I know Craig in a past episode said like one of these guys is going to be a tight end one, but like picking which one is the big, like this is the hard part. Um, yeah. High fits shit on me for that. He's like, that's not a take. Danny <laughs> Kelly was like, Ooh, he's like, Oh cool. He picked one of the two tight ends. So they're gonna I kind of think it is a take because n- neither of them are getting drafted. Like it's going to, like they're going to be a, a tight end one. Um, I guess obviously the problem is you don't know who to pick, but I don't know. I, I just think, I have Smith higher because number one, they signed him first. They gave him, I think, slightly more money or a longer guarantee or longer uh, contract. I think actually, if you look at their what they're getting paid in cash this year, it's identical. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So I was looking, I was looking up their contracts on on Spot Track the other day, and I could have misread it, but I'm pretty sure they're literally getting the exact same dollar amount in like cash this year. So, so that, you're going with the tiebreaker. That who, doesn't who fucking got help. Tweeted anybody. out by Schefter first. <laughs> <laughs> who got picked for the kickball team first? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in reality, bottom line, we don't know. I just think Johnny Smith is more dynamic, so let's go with that. And Belichick loves Johnny Smith. He's yeah. touted him before. Yeah. Belichick's touted everyone before. Not Hunter Henry. Haven't heard that publicly. Also, breakout tight ends usually come from young guys who have a really high athletic profile, and that leans more Johnny than it does Hunter Henry. No, we're banning the word athletic for tight ends. We, we, <laughs> no, we it's a real this. thing, though. So Breakout no, tight banning ends. The word. It, it, no, it's, I, I just tell me when a tight end is not athletic. Anthony Ferkser. <laughs> no, he's pretty athletic, I think. Watch him. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. He They're is. all athletic. He was, six, like split six. Out, he was split out in the slot, I think, more, more than any other tight end not named uh, Logan Thomas. Like He was a slot receiver, essentially, for the Titans. The, the, the whole thing of like, oh, big, athletic, big frame... Like, that's the basic job description. That is literally <laughs> the only people they look for, big men who are athletic. If that's it. There there are shades, though, man. Like, there's a difference between Jack Doyle and Jonu Smith. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, but when we use the same word for everyone, it loses all meaning. And Jonu Smith is athletic by Titan standards. But we're going to have to start coloring in the shades of guys who are less athletic because I'm just tired of it. Explosive. <laughs> okay. Actually, Ferkster's really not that athletic. It's fine. He's all right. All right. Speaking of explosive, Will Fuller, uh, yeah. Will Fuller, who we were just talking about, got hurt on the first day of training camp and has not practiced since. Foot injury. He is Yikes. being drafted. He's like the 38th receiver in fantasy that's being drafted, like 95th overall. We were just saying he's really good value. I mean, are you guys worried here? Like, he's a new team and he hasn't, pra- he hasn't practiced in almost two weeks. Yeah, I'm starting to get worried. I'm worried about Will Fuller literally no matter the team or the situation. <laughs> like, no context. You don't need any <laughs> yes. context. I'm worried. We should start a Twitter account, and the Twitter account is just, are you worried about Will Fuller? And every day we just, yes. yes. Should we just do, did the, the, did the Sixers win, but it's just, did Will Fuller practice today? <laughs> just. Oh, man. Um, I am getting worried, yes. Also, there are other reasons I'm getting worried. For, first of all, he misses week one because of suspension. He's on a one-year deal, so the Dolphins aren't 
glued to him long term, glued to him, tied to him long term. Prove it deal, as they say. Yep. He, so far, he's not really proving much. Um, <laughs> also, everything we're seeing from from Dolphins camp is like Jalen Waddle and Albert Wilson are just balling out. I know that they're not the same style of receiver as Will Fuller, but if you got Devontae Parker coming back, you have you know Preston Williams potentially getting back on the field at some point. Like this is actually a relatively deep receiver core, and I there's a chance Will Fuller just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think once he's healthy, he'll be running outside. He'll be the deep threat for them, and you know he'll be doing he'll he'll be doing the Will Fuller thing, which is like making big plays. But in terms of being reliable or something that you can really depend on, I think he's like a good guy to take where he's being drafted as like a fourth receiver and hope that you get like more out of it but i'm less thinking he's the sleeper now and more just think he's sort of like appropriately priced but uh, based on where he's going hold on i'm registering the twitter account for did will fuller practice today <laughs> if we post this someone else is going to do it are you worried um, about so, will fuller is more yeah, i didn't hear anything you said by the way can you repeat all of that <laughs> great thank you DK. listen uh this is one of those instances where when you draft really matters because if you're drafting right now will fuller is probably going to go pretty late and could end up having a great year and screw you over. But if you draft in early September, maybe Will Fuller will be fully practiced by then, and he'll be going, you know, two, three rounds higher. All right, other news. Curtis Samuel, speaking of not practicing in a long time, uh, the Washington receiver, he's been... So, for, firstly, he was on the COVID list, but even when he comes off, he's been dealing with a groin injury since June? Yikes. Not I thought I misread it not first. Not good. Ron Rivera downplayed it basically saying like he knows the playbook because they were together in Pan uh, Carolina and Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, was there in C Carolina. And that's like why they signed him. So like he doesn't need as many reps, which I think is partially true. But again, speed guy, groin injury, been out a month. Like that's just it's yeah. just so like at, at, at a certain point when you have so, so much or so little information about these guys going to season, you just kind of want to filter out the guys who are already hurt. Like at a certain point, health is what like. Sometimes like fantasy football is like real football that if you just look at the teams that make it to the end, they just didn't have that many bad injuries. It's like so many times your fantasy teams that won, if you look back at your championship teams, your, your big guys just didn't get hurt. Yeah, and that's 100%. true for the Super yeah. Bowls too. And just, I just don't love guys that are hurt no matter how much we loved them before training camp started. Also, the weird thing about Curtis Samuel this year is that, so he, he essentially, everyone was saying he's been misused his entire time on the Panthers. And then, Matt Rule and Joe Brady came and used him properly, and he had a great season, and everyone's like, wow, Curtis Samuel is really good. And then he gets traded to the coaching staff that misused him. He signed at free agency. He didn't even get traded. He signed, traded, signed at free agency. He chose to go there. <laughs> so, no, I think the argument's simple. It's that 2019, Curtis Samuel was really good. And for Scott Turner, when he, Scott Turner was the Panthers' offensive coordinator in 2019, Curtis Samuel was really good in getting open. But Kyle Allen was the quarterback. Just he couldn't just hit could, the he just side of a barn. Yeah. He couldn't do it. And that Curtis Samuel play, if you I, independently of the situation, Curtis Samuel was really good. He just needed a competent quarterback. But the way they used him was different. I mean, wasn't he more of like a deep threat guy under the Ron Rivera era? And then when Matt Rule and Brady came in, they kind of turned him into a lower depth of target sweep guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was almost like a... Uh you know, like more of what he did in college was like sort of a hybrid running back receiver guy. I think I mentioned this before. He like either led or was like in the top five in, in running backs who took, who ran the ball, you know? So he's sort of like that Debo Samuel profile guy. But yeah, in 2019 or uh, under Scott Turner, he was, I the, I remember like everybody was all over Curtis Samuel every week because he was like leading the NFL in unrealized air yards. He kept getting targeted downfield, <laughs> but never was making the catch. It was like all these just, um, I think people call them prairie yards, basically. It's just like throw it up there and hope he gets it. Um, but he is a good deep threat. Like I've said, he gets open. Uh, however, I am definitely worried about this groin injury. I don't know if this is just like personal bias, but like I had a good buddy of mine who played football in college and he had a groin injury that literally stuck with him his entire college career. He tore his groin twice. And it's like one of those injuries that just doesn't go away. You have to like really manage it a hundred percent of the time always and like if you're running around on grass like that is not good man because like your foot plants and slides in the grass or like slips in the turf it's just like your season can be over it's just so you scary can, yeah you hit the nail on the head for me it's important to remember with these trading camp things that like just because the injury designation goes away does not mean that the injury is over right I mean, 
Right. Like a groin injury, it's like like it's going to be there the whole season. It's just can they manage it till the end? So it, it's you know there's certain guys that just won't be 100 percent for the entire season. All right, other news. Uh, while we're speaking of jinxing people, you jinxed Will Craig Fuller. did it Craig again. Also teach, jinxed DJ Chark. It's okay. Craig <laughs> just you know casually just goes on Bill's pod, talks up DJ Chark, comes on this pod, talks up DJ Chark, and. Guess what? Surgery for a, quote, minor break on his hand, according to Ron uh, Ron Rivera, geez, R- Urban Meyer. Chark probably yeah. back for week one, probably missing the rest of training camp. Craig, what do you have to say for yourself? I'm the opposite of King Midas, <laughs> and I shouldn't talk about anybody ever again. Yeah. You took Cam Akers away from us. It's going to be tough. Yep. It's going to be tough, Craig, as a co-host of a fantasy pod, just not talking about players anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to just don't. I'm going to go real vague. I'm going to be like player A, player B stuff. No yeah. real names. Yeah. Just never compliment me. Just never say, you know, that Danny Heifetz is doing really great. Like, please never, never. You don't have to worry me. about that. You don't have to worry about for that. For context, for people who are just coming in, Craig, one of Craig's favorite players this year coming in, like throughout the summer has been Cam Akers. And then people definitely Literally, blamed. We did a bold predictions episode. Craig 24 hours yeah. later. It was 12, actually. There, I was like, next year, Cam Akers will be the overall running back one. And then, and then we put it out. And then a lot of people were listening to the pod while the news came out. Like people got the notification on their phone. Many people, while listening to Craig talk about him, that he was out for the season. It's not great. No, not, it's not ideal. It's the opposite of great. So DJ Chark for the Jaguars. What do you think this means? This makes this makes me just more confident in Marvin Jones. Like I know I'm crazy, but I think Marvin <laughs> Jones. You're not that crazy. Don't make this your thing that like you were the first guy to think of Marvin Jones. <laughs> All the analysts are talking about Marvin Jones. All right. He's going 136. In I know. I think he leads the team in in receiving this year. I like it. I like it for Chenault. I'll take that bet. I'm excited about Chenault. I'll take the bet. You want to do it? Yeah. My vote is that I take the field. He doesn't lead the league and lead the team in receiving. All right. Cool. Great. (laughs) What are we, what are we, what stakes are we putting on this? Uh, You, I, you have to get a minor break in your hand if you're wrong. (laughs) By the way, I have broken a bone in my hand before and it's like the, I don't know what you even call it, metatarsal, whatever. Uh, And now I have no knuckle. On that hand, what people people what uh, the fuck? on the podcast? Oh my god, you're like Chubbs. You don't have a knuckle. <laughs> Pretty sick. What? I was like, got the bastard's eyeball though. Yeah, I've never noticed that. Yeah. Show me your hand again. No knuckle. Are you serious? So it's like uh, when I broke my hand. I'm not saying this is gonna what's hap- gonna be what's happening with him. What did you break it on? How did you break it? Uh, basketball. Like it was weird. It was like a basketball hit my hand at a weird angle, and like the finger. A basketball. Yeah, wow. a finger like bent the wrong way and it broke the bone in my hand not the finger it was very bizarre um but they damn had, basketball took my damn knuckle off <laughs> it was also very weird because and again i don't think this is what happened with chark because he'd be missing more time if it was like an actual full break but they had to like reset the bone and they were worried like the, my finger was going to be rotated slightly wrong like it was like something you had to be like really careful about because and wow. like for a long time like my my it's my right ring finger would like bang into my other fingers like when I wasn't like paying attention. It was like very weird. You had to like do like finger rehab. Well, like it was drunk. It was just like bumping yeah, into like, them. Yeah, I was like, doesn't know how to work anymore. Now I have no knuckle. I'm all messed up. So anyways, hopefully that's not what happens with Chark. Is it bad that I heard the whole story and still don't get why you don't have a knuckle? It's like, I don't know, man. They just put it back in and the knuckle is gone. Who knows? Anyway, so DJ Chark is screwed. Is that- you should have went the Michael Thomas route, waited for a second opinion there. Yeah, seriously. It's like Calvin Johnson. Like, I mean, he's got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Like, you ever see Calvin Johnson's fingers? Oh my gosh. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Tory Holt, I think. Have you seen Tory yeah. Holt's hands? Oh, it's insane. They're all, yeah, it's it's football, brutal sport. Yes. Okay. So that's all the injury news. It's Monday afternoon. So I'm sure someone Craig likes will probably be hurt by the time we record again. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Okay, let's get to the running back dead zone. So I think this is kind of pop. I think this year was kind of popularized by Jack Miller at Establish the Run, but it, it's been around for a little while. And it's it's kind of simple. It's like if you zoom out and you look at the last five or 10 years of drafts and you're just looking at value. So just, you know, how did that player perform based on where you drafted them? Did they end up being worth the investment? Running backs are worth 
running backs are like the most valuable investment you can make in the first two rounds. And then after that, receivers are a way more valuable investment in rounds like three through six, which kind of tracks. Like this isn't like some groundbreaking idea. It's like starting running back, running back is a good idea and then hit on receiver. It's not groundbreaking, but it's really important this year. So I kind of want to just talk about this as an idea for a little bit and then get Mm -hmm. into some specifics. Yeah. DK, you want to explain the dead zone a little bit? The way that I think about it is like the very, very simple 30,000 foot thing is it's all about opportunity cost. The running backs that people start talking themselves into, and I'm talking about like high fits, no offense, Mike Davis, the guys in this, Ooh, the guys in this range who people talk themselves into the volume, but there's enough question marks and there's enough, um, you know, reasons to believe things could not go quite as well as you think they're going to go with guys like Mike Davis or, you know, potentially, you know, Chris Carson or Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders, any of these guys where like Miles Sanders, for instance, is having this major problems with drops in camp, apparently, and he's fumbled a couple of times. So people are worried now that he's going to only get the early down um, looks and they'll have, you know, they have all these receiving backs that are going to like cut into his workload. However, other people are going to be like, I think he's talented. He's going to have a three down roll. I'm going to draft him in this range. The big thing about that is the opportunity cost because you have really high end, high upside receivers in that range that you're skipping over, you know, in order to take this running back who might end up busting. You get, you miss out on guys like, you know, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup. All these guys could potentially be wide receiver ones, give you really good value at that spot. Um, and so basically, yeah, that's the bottom line is it's about opportunity cost. And, um, you know, there's a history and Craig, I think you're going to get into it. There's a history there where like the the win rates based on like best ball and all that um, indicate that these guys are just not as valuable to your team. These running backs in this range historically, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the case this year. But just historically, looking at the looking at the trends, that's kind of like what this the history has told us. So um, that's how I think about it. Yeah, there's a wrinkle there too. So essentially, you know, the way they they talk about this dead zone thing is like they call it league winning hit rate, which is just if you finish as the at the top ten in your position, you're a league winner. So you're basically the whole point of fantasy is to draft a guy late who's going to end up being a league winner. You're going to draft a guy outside of the top ten who will finish inside the top ten, and basically, you know, in rounds three to six. Wide receivers and running backs kind of have the same hit rate, which means if you take a guy in rounds three to six, both the running back or the receiver you draft has the same chance of finishing as a top 10 guy. But the reason why the running back is a dead zone is because the the four rounds after that, after rounds three to six, round seven to 10, running backs still pretty solid. Wide receivers, on the other hand, jump off a cliff. So the whole point here mm. is is the wrinkle is almost not that these running backs won't pan out. It's that you can just get those running backs later and the wide receivers you cannot. So when you take somebody like Leonard Fournette last year who was going in like the fourth round, you can get a guy in round 10 who will return the exact same value right. as as Leonard Fournette. But at wide receiver, if you want to take somebody like Cooper Cup in the fourth round, there are very little wide receivers you can get in round nine or 10 that will do the same thing. I went back last year and looked at ADP. Guys, listen to the running backs going in the third and fourth round last year. Chris Carson, I guess, kind of panned out. David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram, Devin Singletary, and Raheem Mostert. So it's like Jonathan well, Taylor. So, sorry, four, did four, so Jonathan Taylor hit, and but even and then the Carson. first half of the season, he was a disaster. And I guess Carson, Carson was pretty solid. So four of those guys lost their jobs? Mark Ingram, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. It's astounding. So w- what we should go through is look at the guys this year and say, man, it's not saying to don't, you know, there are guys like Jonathan Taylor. If you really like a guy and you think he's going to be good, you should take him. You like should Darryl not Henderson. draft somebody. Daryl Henderson, it's just instance, that or whatever. It's not never draft these guys. It's not don't take a running back no matter what from round three to six. It's just generally speaking, unless you get a big discount on them, it's not probably not good. It's not You're, worth it's it. It's probabilities. You're playing probabilities. Is, yes, is like just because they are next in line on your draft queue doesn't mean they're going to return the value of where you drafted them. 100%. Again, but here's, what I like about this is it's advanced math that just backs up common sense, which is that running backs come from nowhere to be good all the time. It's very rare for receivers to come from nowhere to and then be good suddenly. It's And, and that's basically, that's all that this is really saying here. So, with that said, let's go through the running back dead zone, guys, and just kind of how we're feeling about it. Take some temperature. 
Yeah. Well, and and listen, just to bring it on home here, let me, here's some of the running backs who went in rounds seven and on last year. J.K. Dobbins, James White, Marlon Mack, Antonio Gibson, Zach Moss, Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen, Latavius Murray. That's pretty good. Alexander Madison, Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris. I mean, those guys are better than the guys we named in (laughs) rounds three to five. And to be clear, I think the difference between last year and this year is like the other group had a lot of old guys last year. This year, they've been replaced all, so that's a caveat. But so... The list is Miles Sanders, DeAndre, Jif- DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Daryl Henderson. I want to start with those guys. Miles Sanders first for the Eagles. DK, you just mentioned it. Yeah. It seems like all the reports I'm seeing out of Eagles camp is that Boston Scott, who is like the little Darren Sproles that could, and he was comped to Darren Sproles <laughs> before he w- in college before he went to the Eagles, it, that he's going to have more of a committee role than people thought here, that it's, it's really more like him and Miles Sanders are splitting carries Right. More than Miles Sanders is the lead guy. And now Miles Sanders has had issues, one, with health, but also with ball security. Do you, where are you taking Miles Sanders this year? Where is the point that he could fall that you're like, I'm in? I don't know. Also toss in that Jalen Hurts is a heavily running yeah. quarterback. Also, exactly. Kenneth Gainwell, who's been getting a little bit of buzz in camp too. And, you know, Jason Huntley. There's all these guys in this backfield. Carry on Johnson. Yeah. Um, I really don't know, like... I've basically just been avoiding Miles Sanders for the most part. Like, I think if he falls, it really just depends <laughs> on, like, how your draft goes. Like, if you go, you know, wide receiver really heavy at the beginning or, like, say you're in a super flex league and you take two quarterbacks in the first two rounds and then some, you know, like, some of the r- running backs are um, getting scooped up, you need to take a guy. Like, I'm taking him sort of just for the floor, but that's probably not, like, a good strategy, honestly, like, based on everything we just talked about. So I'm, for the most part, like, avoiding him. The the ironic thing of talking about all the the running back dead zone is I actually like quite a few of these guys this year. So like maybe I'm not even like listening to this narrative because I like I like Swift, I like Dobbins, I think Montgomery is pretty good, and I like Daryl Henderson. I really like Travis Etienne. Like I'm you like them in theory, but yeah. in opportunity cost, what is was like the first thing we talked about in this episode? CD Lamb. Right, right now, I'm just looking at. Uh, average draft position in best ball, which is more accurate this time of the year than regular. CD Lamb's going thirty third. Miles Sanders going thirty fifth. So you can Ooh. literally pick between CD I mean, Lamb and Miles that's Sanders. A fucking that's no-brainer. the point. Here. That's a no brainer. Yeah. Even if that would move up now, because it's probably like a two week rolling average. Even then, it's like Allen Robinson's in that range. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin versus Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Like, would you rather have Miles? Would you rather have Mike Evans and or Chris Godwin or or Miles Sanders? Uh, yeah. the, Evans or Godwin? Bucks. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the point here. Yes. Can we start a ranking or can we, can we like come up with a list or do an episode titled the players we're forced to rank, but we're never drafting. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what we're talking about. These dead zone. It's like, I, so I, I mean, look, we do a lot of mock drafts. I actually don't think I have ended up with miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs, maybe even Dobbins in a single draft. I've done. So. It's just, it's just, I, I it's yeah. I've never like, Oh yeah. Nice. I think I've ended up with Sanders. Right I've here. ended up with Sanders in one draft, and that was like a few weeks ago before all these like issues started cropping up. I have zero Jacobs, I'm pretty sure. And who is the other one? I don't think I've got any Dobbins either. Although I am kind of starting to get more excited about Dobbins, to be honest. So let's discuss here who's going to be the 2020 Jonathan Taylor out of this group. Who do we think has the the most likely chance to catapult into a top ten situation? I think it's ETN. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure he counts as the dead zone because he's a little bit further down. Heifetz, where's he going in ADP in, on, on underdog? So Travis Etienne for the Jaguars, who against the other first rounder Jacksonville had after Trevor Lawrence and their teammates in college. Travis Etienne is going 46, which makes sense because it was kind of like he was 70th and 60th. Now it's kind of rounding out that he's joined That's dead the zone. upper echelon. He's going. He, his is ADP very has gone up a lot lately. It's Yeah, like 30 yeah. spots in a month, which yeah. is why best I haven't heard a ADP. single thing about James Robinson. Oh, he got some hype this weekend. He got some hype this weekend oh, for sure. Oh. Yeah. I think James Robinson, look, it's a nice story. The Poor NFL guy. is a cold place. <laughs> He's an undrafted free agent that was signed by a different regime. Urban Meyer's coming in here. He's if if James Robinson earn it, I'm just saying like it's an uphill battle for him to be relevant with a new like a, he already did it once, so it could be done, but it's it's a nice feel good story and the NFL is not really a nice feel good place to be honest. Here's uh, why I like ETN. Super explosive. They're yeah. already talking about him catching passes, so you automatically have that pass catching upside. Uh, touchdown. I don't know if anyone believes in like knows for a touchdown. He scored a shitload of touchdowns in college, like seventy eight. Like the Camara of, of yeah, college. he was like scoring a touchdown every fucking game, at least one. <laughs> um, 
and he was a first round pick. Like, there's just only things to like about this. I think the hype hasn't caught up with him, or it's starting to, based on his ADP hype that you just mentioned. Um, people are starting to buy in on this, but like the Urban Meyer factor really has depressed his value in my mind. And so, you know, you're getting a similar um, profile. You know, like that pass, like the DeAndre Swift style guy where he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's explosive. He's talented, breaks tackles. I don't know. Like, there's just a lot to like about him. And I just can see his talent sort of like, you know, shining through and, and him doing really well this year. DK, other other than the fact that he hasn't done it yet because he's a rookie, why would you take DeAndre Swift over Travis Etienne? Um, I think I would take Swift, number one. Well, you're saying apart the fact that he has already done it. I guess that's part of it. But also, I think the offensive line and the philosophy that we're seeing from the Lions is going to be like, they have to lean heavily on their running backs in both the run game and the passing game. I think that's going to be a given. That's why I'm sort of excited about Swift. I think ETN, and and like this may be like a dynasty thing, he could end up being ranked higher than Swift long run because yeah. I think that the Jags are going to be really good with Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence is like, think about the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff. Like that's going to be massive for his value in fantasy. And I think just, I think the Jags offense is going to be better sooner than people think. And so are good sooner than people think. And so um, I think I would take him just based on that, like in the in Dynasty. Well, I, I don't know. I wouldn't take him in Dynasty right now, but I think he could end up being higher ranked overall eventually. So to Craig's original question of like, who's the Josh, uh, sorry, who's the John Taylor of this group? Again, Jonathan Taylor was terrible the first half of the season, but I think we're talking about the second half of the season when he was like a top three running back. To me, it's Chris Carson, which is yeah, weird so. because of all these dead zone running backs, he just completely stands out. Like all these other, all of these other guys, except really Mike Davis and Chris Carson, are young. They're under twenty five. They're on rookie contracts, and they all were relatively high draft picks. Like they're all like third round or, or second or first. Chris Carson's a seventh round guy who is like twenty six, and he's just way older than all of them. He's older than Todd Gurley, but like he just got a contract extension. Rashad Penny's the guy behind him. Rashad's always hurt. Chris Carson to me is the guy that maybe is playing two thirds of snaps but is the guy who actually has the trust of Pete Carroll to, you know, as long as Chris Carson has a grip on the ball, he has a grip on the job. And <laughs> the Seahawks, I think Chris Carson was undersold last year because Russell Wilson, when he had like all those touchdown passes and he was on break to like shatter Peyton Manning's touchdown pass record, the Seahawks had like, I don't know, 14 passing touchdowns at one point to like literally one rushing touchdown, like a 14 to one ratio of passing to rushing touchdowns. That's just not how it works. Like right. Russell Wilson had, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but like 20 uh, passing touchdowns inside the 10. Those are things that just the way football works. Sometimes Chris Carson gets tackled to the inch line and, and they throw out the next play. Chris Carson to me is the guy that could just, if the Seahawks actually throw the ball more, that doesn't mean that Chris Carson can't have more rushing touchdowns. He only had five touchdowns last year. Chris Carson to me is like a sneaky guy to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. I, I, I like him more than all these other guys. He's also just to me a better runner than a lot of these guys he's a really good player he's still he's the type of guy that's uh remained underrated because he was a seventh round pick he had that fumble spate where everybody i think just kind of like gave up on him but yeah um he was the he's got a little george kittle to his game where he's just kind of a violent oh, player yeah. you know he seeks out contact oh he runs Put it so way, if all of these guys played 16 games like i told or seven gee, I, i'm never gonna get used to that if we don't all these guys played 17 games yeah I'm pretty confident in saying I would rather have Chris Carson than just about everyone on this list. I agree. Dickie, you're the Seahawks fan. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. What do you my think? My kid's just screaming in the background. Um, well, tell him that yeah, we're recording no, I, a podcast. Just tell him, Daddy's making that coin, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be the homer here, but I agree. Like, I think he's got a really good upside if he can stay healthy, if the Seahawks offense remains like, you know, pretty efficient and explosive, which I think it will. And also, just like the whole... Um, you know, new Shane Waldron, new offensive coordinator, new scheme. They're talking about up tempo. They're talking about running more motion. Um, basically, bringing the Rams' offense, the Rams' run game, to Seattle is very intriguing to me. Obviously, you know, um, in the past four or five years, McVeigh's been able to engineer these like incredibly good explosive run games, and you know, we've seen the McVeigh system working in other places now. And so, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very intrigued with Chris Carson. I think I'm just trying not to be too much of a homer here and in, in like buying into it like completely. You guys are doing it for me, so I appreciate that. To put a button on all this, 
most of my drafts I'm going in the first round and then auctions obviously you can allocate like you know strategy like your dollars to do this essentially but I want a running back in the first round I want a running back in the second round and I'm basically going four straight receivers mm. unless I get a really good value on a quarterback or a tight end but it's just running back running back four receivers unless you know one of the really good receivers like a Diggs or a Devontae Adams or Tyreek or someone falls in the second round I, that's what I'm doing. I like the anchor RB strategy where you take one running back in the first round and then like just hammer elite receivers for a few rounds. And then you're just like every week, you're just going to score so many points. There's a clear line for me, which is if the best receiver left, left is like AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson, I'm not taking a receiver early. The only receivers that make me think about it really are Devante Tyreek and, and uh, Diggs, even Ridley. What about like Hopkins? Hopkins? Yeah. I think that I still lean running back. Like I still would rather have Najee or maybe even Gibson over Hopkins and them. I, I'll think about it. But I just kind of want two running backs off the jump. Yeah, I think my strategy would be two of your first three picks should be running backs. Robust running yeah. back. I think that's what they call it. All right. Want to do some emails? Sure. Oh, that's from Seth. 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 Picture this. You're on a nice run, making good time. Your legs are feeling good. You're in a kind of a Zen state. You're listening to your favorite podcast and boom, Ben Simmons talk comes out of nowhere. I nearly ran into oncoming traffic. We are a sensitive, pe sensitive people as Philadelphians. I cannot risk this kind of trauma any longer. So until a Ben Simmons trade happens, I request, I request a trigger warning announcement for Ben Simmons related conversations coming up in the future. <laughs> When were we talking about Ben Simmons? I can't remember that. Well, we talked about how, and we talked about what were we comparing to free throws? Oh, oh, oh how, why God. receivers have yeah. dropping problems? Why they don't just use the jugs? And we're like, it's kind of like how Ben Simmons misses free now throws. Now I remember like, why I, just don't I get couldn't it. remember that because I I zoned out during that entire conversation you guys were having. You were in a Zen state <laughs> when we were talking <laughs> yeah, about were, that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, all right, we're trigger warning for the Sixers. Seth, duly noted, we will play a little uh, little alarm sound before the Ben Simmons talk comes in the future. <laughs> Should we put a trigger warning in the episode notes for Ben Simmons talk for this episode? Should I just say, hey, hey, Seth, in the in the description? Hey, Seth, minute 60. <laughs> FYI. We talk about Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, all right. Ben also, uh, Ben, geez. Seth also sent us a fun fact. Trigger warning also, I call him the wrong name. Seth also sent us a fun fact, which is, P.S., we don't obey the original intent of basketball. In James Naismith's original version, when a foul occurred, the team that got fouled got to choose whomever it wanted to go to the free throw line. In <laughs> Sixers terms, when John Collins is playing hack of Ben Simmons, the Sixers would have gotten to send Seth Curry to the free throw line. And I looked this up. It's actually, that is true. It was like 29 years. The first 29 years of basketball, the uh, team got to pick which person was shooting free throws. I mean, I think that makes sense. I'm not against it. I don't care. Isn't this what they Are do? Are we talking about on... Is this on non-shooting fouls only? No, it's on shooting fouls. Well, because hack hack Ben, that, those aren't shooting fouls. That's the whole point of hack well, all, 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 everything. I think that's pretty stupid. If you foul a guy who's shooting, I think they should have to shoot the free throw. <laughs> that's fair. But I guess you're right. And the hack <laughs> is like, like a team what, foul. What's the rule? So I'm going to sound like a total idiot here. Isn't the rule in soccer like anybody can take the free kick, the penalty kick, or does it have to be the guy who got fouled? I, oh man, it's just how little I know about soccer. Yeah. We're just going to get destroyed by this. Soccer, I believe if you get soccer fans, tell reckless. us what's up. Yeah, I think if you get fouled in the little hot zone, whatever the fuck it's called, before yeah. it, like I think you have to kick. <laughs> We're such idiots. Okay, let us also, know. If, let if, us let, know. If, if people are going to email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail .com. Um Also, why did Messi leave? So weird. That was a bizarre. Got that's it. like the most bizarre, bizarre sports story of like the last ten years, right? I was engrossed. <laughs> I actually, I, I maybe I should have been, you know, researching more about Amari Cooper's ankles, but I just found myself on Sunday afternoon reading everything from the Athletic on why yeah. the hell that happened. That was really strange. Anyway, well, then you should know. What do you mean? You asked us well, why he left. Did. You said you read all about it. It's really interesting. Basically, everyone was a, a combination of lying to themselves and others. Also, Brian Phillips wrote about it at TheRinger.com. Shout out, Brian Phillips. Go to the ringer.com. Great website. Do, wait, so do we like free throws? Is, is Seth being really sensitive or should free throw? Like should Ben Simmons actually have to shoot free throws if he gets fouled like off the ball? Listen, I don't love the hack of whatever thing. However, a counter argument in my own head is how about everybody just learns how to shoot free throws? So here's my, here's my, here's yeah. my thing on basketball and why the Elam ending is, I think, ultimately going to solve the sport. 
and DK, I don't have you heard about the Elam ending, DK? Basically, it's the idea that at the end in the fourth quarter, they end the clock and they just set a target score based on how big your lead is. And it's just oh, first yeah. team to get to 100 points wins. Oh, and the number is based on how close the game is. But the point being is this the, the part of basketball that's so normal to basketball fans that I think is insane is that fouling should not help you. The game should not be designed where committing a foul is so advantageous. It is the only way you can win. The entire sport is built on this idea. It's crazy. It should hurt you. You should play to win. Play defense. 100%. (laughs) It's a loophole in the system that they found. It's a loophole that has become the basis for every basketball game ends this way. Just play to a score. I like that. I love the Elam ending. Okay. If anyone comes up with an Elam ending for fantasy football, let me know. All right. I think that's all we got. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Seth. I uh, hope you enjoy your trigger warning in the episode notes. Thank you for listening. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com if you have a fun fact or, I don't know, other trigger warnings. I don't know. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Forgot somebody, Heifetz. It's like, it's like you're not mentioning somebody who is integral in this podcast. Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. <laughs> Thank you, Jane's Addiction. So, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. You had that ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you prepped that. That, that did you not prepped. feel improvised. Not, I did not like that, DK. I mean, on a show or does it improvise? They got they know who the band is. They introduced them like four times. Well, that's not what the show is. <laughs> okay. You're in my world now, Grandma. <laughs> Check out the name tag. Shout out Limp Biscuit. Ringer Music Box. HBO Max. Check it out. Sure. All right. Bye everyone. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.